Thanks, Tony. Well, that was, that was a story. Thanks, Lily. That was a story. Um, and what we want to do just for the next few moments, uh, kids and adults alike, we actually want to gather around this idea, this story, this Christmas story, and really see what God has for us uh, some 2,000 years later. We want to gather around the story of Christmas, which is really all about giving. It's about a God who gave us his son. And what we want to do for the next few moments is reflect on what do we give back to God in light of what he has given to us? What do we give back to God in light of what he has actually given to us? I many of us, if you're going to watch the Bears game later on this evening, or if you're going to watch any of the game, you're going to probably see a verse on some banner or painted on some dude's belly somewhere in the stands that everyone's kind of familiar with. Does anyone know the verse that you see at just about every football game or sporting event? John 3.16. See, that's right. You know. And that verse basically sums up the whole idea of the Christmas story. God so loved the world, so he gave. It's a powerful thing to just boil that down. God so loved, so he gave. That's what's at the heart of the Christmas story. God loves you and me, this world, so much that he gave his one and only son. And that's why giving and receiving gifts is so central and such an important part of the Christmas tradition. So what we're going to ask ourselves, quite honestly this morning, is what do you give to the God who's given everything? You think about all that God has given us, not only through his son Jesus, but if you were to stop and honestly reflect on your life, what do you give to the God who's actually already given everything? So we're going to kind of think about what that means for our lives today, some 2,000 years later. So to do that, I want us to do a little informal poll right now. I want to get a feel for the room if I can. I want to find out kind of who we have in this room. I want you to think about which camp do you fall in? Are you the kind of person that likes to give gifts, like you really take a lot of joy and have a lot of fun giving gifts? Or are you the kind of person that likes to get gifts? All right, which kind of list do you like making more? List of other people's gifts you're going to get them or the list of the gifts that you want? So we're in church, so answer honestly. I know you're going to want to sound better than maybe you really are. Just answer honestly. I want you to turn to the person next to you. We're going to take 30 seconds. Turn to the person next to you. What do you like more, giving gifts or getting gifts? Go ahead and take 30 seconds. Adults, kids, talk, and I'll bring you back. All right. All right. Again, this is just an informal poll. Counting on you to be honest. So here's the deal. Why don't you be honest? How many of us would honestly say, we, you love getting gifts? Yeah, I'm in this camp. And really, you're going to leave us hanging out there, all us selfish ones? I love getting gifts. I'm not going to lie to you. I love opening them. I love things. Like people, someone thought of me and gave something to me. I love getting gifts. And I don't think I'm the only one. Raise your hand again if you love getting gifts. Okay. That's what I'm talking about, double gifts. You're giving the sermon next year. All right. Now, how many, raise your hand, how many of you love to give gifts? Oh, okay. You're so much more spiritual than the first group of us. Oh, you just love to give. Hey, I have an idea. All of you who love to give gifts, 
Give all of us who love to get gifts, gifts. It's all work out perfectly. Everyone has a great Christmas. All right, I love getting gifts, but the truth is I do love giving gifts. I love thinking about people that I care about and trying to express that in a gift. That's what giving is. I'm thinking about who you are, and I want to give you something that means something to you. That's at least at the heart of why we give gifts to people. I see you. I love you. I care about you. So I want to give you something that matters to you or means something to you. But if we were to be honest, all of us, whether you're a giver or a getter when it comes to gifts, I bet all of us have someone on our list that's really hard to shop for or really hard to give a gift to. And maybe because you just don't know what they like or what they're into, or maybe because you just want to do it so right. Have you ever had anyone like that? You just want to get the gift so right and you get kind of stressed and anxious about what are you going to give this person because you know you got to do it right. Or at least last year, they gave you a really awesome gift. So this year, you have to top that gift. I have someone like that in my life. It's my brother, Justin. And for years, I've, we've tried to kind of outgive each other with the most sort of creative gifts. And it became like more work than fun, trying to think, how can I get him the coolest, best sort of gift? And we went back and forth at birthdays and at Christmas. And I finally, a couple years ago, reached the pinnacle of the greatest gift I could ever give him. After years of giving him Chia Pets and the Clapper and all kinds of <laughs> gifts that I thought were awesome, I got him an autographed copy of Burt Reynolds' autobiography called My Life. And I thought to myself, I've accomplished all that I can accomplish in giving him gifts. And so he has on his shelf a signed copy, you know, to Justin, best wishes, Bert. And I just think, I'm, my work here is done, really, in gift giving. We all have that person, don't we, that's really, really, really difficult to get a gift for because you want to do it right. So I want you to try and imagine for a second that it's your job to run out and get the Son of God a gift. What if it was your job? What if he was on your list? Jesus was on your list. What would you get him for his birthday? What would you get the God who has given everything? What could you possibly give to him? Well, this morning what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at a couple people who answered, who responded, who gave back to Jesus. We're going to look at a couple characters in the Christmas story that I bet you're familiar with, but maybe you've never kind of looked through this lens of, what they gave to Jesus and how significant it was and what it said about who Jesus is. What they brought to Jesus said a lot about who Jesus is. This morning, we're going to look at a couple of characters from the Bible story, and I'm going to put their image up on the screen. You may be familiar with them. Anyone know who these characters are on the right? Yeah, who is it? The wise men, that's right, that's right. We call them the wise men. They are famous nativity photo bombers. Uh, they appear in a lot of different nativity sets and a lot of different nativity scenes. And they're famous because they brought gifts to Jesus. They actually went and got gifts for Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look at what they gave him. And then in response, what we can give to Jesus, to a God who's actually given us everything. So I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible, if you would, and open to Matthew chapter 2. If you brought your own or you have it on your phone, that's great. But if not, we actually have one for you in the seat back or in the seat underneath you. There's a blue Bible because we want everyone to kind of read along. So this is Matthew chapter 2 in the blue Bible. It's page 676. Page 676. We say this all the time, but if you're serious about exploring who this God is that we celebrate and sing about at Christmas and, and you don't own a Bible, we want you to have this Bible that's in your hands. We, really, we, it's that important to us that we want you to actually like steal a Bible from church at Christmas. It's bragging rights that you can take into 2014 with you because we think this story is that important. This is Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be on page 676 in the Blue Bible. This is the, as we talk about the, the wise men, but they weren't really called that in their day. They were called the Magi. And what they were is they were spiritual leaders. They were like priests 
in their community. They lived hundreds of miles away from Jesus in the, sort of the area of the Medes and the Persians. So they were a, a, kind of from a foreign land, hundreds of miles away. And we don't even really necessarily know sort of which God they worshipped. But there was something significant that happened at the moment that Jesus was born. And apparently these magi, these spiritual leaders, these priests, noticed that a new star had appeared in the sky. At the moment Jesus was born, a star appears in the sky. God hangs a new star to mark the significance of that moment. And so they set out to follow where the star is at, to see where it leads. And they pack up with them on this hundred-mile journey gifts to bring to Jesus. Gifts that say something ultimately about who Jesus is. So let's look at this text, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, now just hit pause real quick. We're going to pause right there. This is really actually interesting. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem. See, for many of us, when we think of the wise men, and maybe your nativity scene has them at the nativity, like right there at the moment of Jesus' birth, that's actually not how it happened. They came about two years later after Jesus had been born. So they actually weren't there with the shepherds and with the ski instructors, as we saw in that story. They came about two years after Jesus was born. They saw the star when he was born, and it took them about two years or so to kind of get their plans together and then to head out to find where he is. And so they hear that this is a king that had been born. So they go to, interestingly enough, uh, they go to actually King Herod. So this says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, that gives us a historical framework of when this happened, Magi, these spiritual leaders from the east, came to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus, as we know, was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. But they heard that he was a king. And so they went to where kings lived, where kings ruled, where kings reigned. They went to the capital of Jerusalem. And they went to the king and said, Where is the one who's been born, the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, this is really interesting. They go to the capital. They go to the palace because they assume that's where the king would be. But Jesus is not an ordinary king. He is born in a stable in an obscure little town of very little significance in that day. And so there actually was a king that they were talking to. His name was Herod, and he was a very jealous king. And when he heard that these visitors from afar had come to see the true king, he was incredibly threatened. And so he began to hatch a plan to eliminate this threat to his throne. And he said, oh, yes, yes, the king, yeah, why don't you go find him? And tell me exactly where he's at. And so he tries to trick these wise men into giving him the location of this threat to his throne. Well, they kind of see through his plan. They're wiser than he is. And they go around and kind of hide their tracks. And they eventually find where Jesus is at. This is really interesting. Let's jump down to Matthew 2, verse 9. After they'd heard the king and kind of his evil plan, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it arose was ahead of them. And it stopped over the place where the child was. Again, this is not the infant baby. This is actually now Jesus is a child. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They'd finally made it, their mission to Jesus. They'd finally made it. Verse 11, on coming to the house, again, not sort of the, the stable manger scene, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Now look at this. This is great. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense, and myrrh. Now, three unique gifts. What's really interesting is every time we see the wise men or sing about them in songs, how many does it tell us that there are? It's not a trick question, folks. Yeah, we, you, know, you know this one. Yeah, it's three. 
Bible never says there's three. Just an interesting little side note. Never says there's three. There's three gifts that we're going to look at here for a second, but never said there was three. So every time you see nativity, you can totally now say like a snob, it's not historically accurate. And people <laughs> will want you to tell them more. I promise you. So they have three gifts that they bring to Jesus. Very interesting. I want us just to unpack what they unpacked and gave to Jesus for just a moment. Because each of the gifts they bring says something about who Jesus is. What they brought says a lot about who Jesus actually is. Let's walk through these just quickly. First gift that we gave him was what? Gold. Now, let me just say, like, gold, great gift at parties. Way better than gift cards. Like, anytime you can give gold do it. And so what they did is they brought gold with them to give to this toddler, to give to this Jesus. Now, why is that significant? Again, other than just being really a great gift, what gold actually represented was gold was the currency of kings. Gold was a way of recognizing Jesus's royalty. This is not just something they picked up at Walgreens on the way to Jesus's home. They actually thought this through. They said, if he is a king, then we bring him what a king deserves. We bring him our best. We bring gold because that's the currency of kings. And so they brought him gold and presented it to him. Again, you're Mary. You, strangers show up at your door and they have gold. This is a good day. This is a great day. And so then they continue to unpack their gifts that they had brought for Jesus. The next one after gold was, anyone know from the story here? Frankincense. Now again, may or may not be familiar with this. Elijah and I were talking through this story in the car earlier this week and he made up a great joke. He said, Dad, what's frankincense? I'm like, I don't know. Tell me, what is it? He's like, it's the cologne that Frankenstein wears. I promised him I'd tell you that joke, so my work here as a dad is done today. <laughs> frankincense. Now, what is frankincense? An interesting gift to bring to a child. You can kind of see in the back half of that word is the word incense. Frankincense was a very specific incense that was burned in the Jewish temple. Now, again, these are religious leaders from the area of the Medes and the Persians, hundreds of miles away, potentially worshiping a different God, most likely worshiping a different God. And they show up with the gift for Jesus that is actually burned on the altar of incense. In the temple, there's an area, there was a space called the altar of incense. And it was always lit. It was perpetually burning. And what it was was a reminder to the senses of God's presence. Anytime you came into the presence of the altar of incense, you would smell the frankincense and you would be reminded that God is actually here with me. God is here in this moment. The gold they bring recognizes the royalty of Jesus. The frankincense they bring recognizes the deity of Jesus. That God's presence is now with us through this child. This is no insignificant gift. Their gift says something about who Jesus is. Gold, frankincense. And then the last gift they brought, what is it? Myrrh. Okay, now this is a very odd gift to bring to any child's party or any party for that matter. Now, you may not know necessarily what myrrh is, but what it was in that culture in that day was a sort of embalming solution that people would wrap on the clothes of a, of a body that was about to be buried. It was a way of preparing the body for burial. And this is what they brought to two-year-old Jesus. Can you imagine you're Mary? You're like, gold? Wow, this is amazing. Frankincense? That'll help with the diaper smell. Thank you so much. And Myrrh. Oh, Joseph, look, they brought myrrh to a baby. Like, it's not the best gift on the surface, but again, their gifts say something. 
Because what they were recognizing through myrrh is that this life was ultimately about leading to a death. They somehow knew that the life of this child would lead to ultimately the death of Jesus, which we celebrate at Easter, and the resurrection by God from the dead, which would lead to life to all. Isn't it interesting that some 30 years before Jesus would head to a cross, these religious leaders, these magi, brought a gift to say, no, we recognize who you are. You are the long-awaited one. You are the one that has been prophesied about. You are the one who will offer your life so that we can have life. Gold and frankincense and myrrh, each of these gifts says something about who Jesus is. They brought something that said something about who Jesus is. That's what they brought to the party. As I was thinking about our time this weekend, and, and really just about Christmas in general, I began to ask myself the question, began to wonder, what is it that I'm bringing to this Christmas? Like, what is it that I'm sort of, I'm unpacking this Christmas? What are some of the joys of my life and the things of celebration that I bring with me into this Christmas? And what are some of the difficulties, the challenges, even some of the broken places that I'm bringing to this Christmas? What are you bringing to this Christmas? How are you walking into this Christmas. It may just be for you a Christmas like any other Christmas and you're just kind of rushing through it to get on to the next thing or maybe this Christmas is different for you. Maybe this year has made this Christmas very different for you. Because what you bring to Christmas says everything. What, what the Magi brought to Jesus said everything about who he is and the truth is the same for you and me. What you and I bring says everything about ultimately who we believe Jesus to be about ultimately what we believe God can do in and through our lives. Let me give you a couple examples, and then we're going to spend a moment reflecting on this ourselves. I have some friends who are expecting a baby, and what they're bringing to this Christmas is great joy and expectation. They are thrilled to decorate. They're thrilled to buy presents for their little unborn baby, hang a little ornament that they'll be able to tell we hung this on the tree when you were still in mommy's tummy. They are bringing such joy and expectation to Christmas. What a beautiful thing to bring to God at Christmas. At the same time, I have friends who have tried and tried and tried for years now to have a child. And, and they're bringing the struggle of that, the wonder of when is this going to happen for us? Both matter to God. Both are being brought to this Christmas because of what's going on in each of their lives. I have a friend who just got married just a few months ago. And so they're bringing, he's having his first Christmas as a couple. And this is the first time they're able to kind of gather around a tree together in their first home. There's a lot of firsts for them. And they're very, very, very excited to celebrate their first Christmas together. A lot of new traditions for them to begin and then at the same time, I got a call from a buddy just yesterday, actually. <clears throat> he told me, you know, uh, seems like at his work, things weren't going so well. And then he got a call on Friday that his job was terminated. He wouldn't need to come back in for the rest of the year or at all next year. And so while I have on one hand some friends who are bringing their first to this Christmas, I have another friend who's now bringing a loss to this Christmas. This bringing like a completely unexpected circumstance to this Christmas. I have a friend recently who uh, looked sort of over his resources this year and looked at how God had blessed him, looked at how God had provided for him all along the way, all throughout the year, and just responded to God out of such 
gratitude and generosity and gave to our Love Works campaign out of a real kind of sacrificial place. And the amount he gave is going to be completely different from what you'll give or what you'll give to Love Works. But he gave to Love Works completely sacrificially. And I look at that and I go, but that is a beautiful thing to bring, to look at your stuff and go, God, it's not mine. It's yours. It comes from you. And so I want to bring it to you. That says something about ultimately what I believe to be true about God, that he's actually provided for me. I think about another friend of mine who I've been in relationship with, friendship with for about a year and a half now. And we've walked through a lot together. And this last year was a really uh, challenging year for their family health-wise. There were some health scares with one of their children, real concerns. It was real touch and go for a while. And over the course of that time, we've been in small groups together. As we were having lunch this week, and he just said it point blank. He's like, I'm, look, I'm ready to go all in with God. I've seen enough. I've seen enough of God's goodness in my life. I've seen how he's led me, how he's provided for me. There's nothing holding me back from, listen, is giving myself to God this Christmas. And when this service is done here in a few moments, we're going to go to the prayer hall, and he's going to start a relationship with Jesus. The thing he's bringing to Christmas is his life, his heart, himself. He's bringing that to Jesus because he's saying something about who Jesus is. I believe you have life. What are you bringing to Christmas? What are you bringing to God this Christmas season? Because what you bring says everything. You can bring the highs of your life, the great joys and celebrations, the newness of life, and this is the powerful thing that Jesus would later go on to say, that you can actually bring your burdens and the things that you thought maybe disqualified you in life and the things that you thought were just going to kind of be the end of your story, you can bring those things to God as well. And both of those can say a lot about who he is. What you bring says everything about who Jesus is. So I want to lead us just through a moment of reflection right now. I want to just give us a chance to say, okay, then what can I bring to God? What either joy or celebration or what kind of part of myself can I bring? Or what maybe kind of fear or anxiety or thing that I've got kind of looming over me? If Jesus said I can bring that to him, then how can I bring that to him? And what will that say? Why am I bringing that to him? So there's a card on your seat back when you came in. You can grab it. You may already have it in your hand. It looks like this. And it's like a little gift tag. We just want to take a moment and give back to God. To give something that says something about who God is. And so we've already got it started for you. The top, you can see it says, to God. Fill that one in for you. The next one says, from. That's a space for you to write your name. Kids, I want you to do this as well as adults. And then underneath, you may want to write down something that you're ready to bring to God this year. Maybe for you, it's, God, I bring you my joy about our new family or this new chapter or this new job. And I want you to follow it up with this one word, because. I bring you this because you are. And tell God, I'm bringing you this because you are a God who provides for me. God, I, I, I bring you my resources, as a friend of mine did as he gave to Love Works. I bring you my resources because, God, I believe that you actually provide for all my needs. And so I bring my resources to you. I want to give to you like I've never given before because I believe you've given everything to me. Or I want to serve you, God, like never before because I believe you have already set the tone. You have served me by sending your son to die for me. I give this to you because you are. 
Maybe for you it is. It is a fear or some sense of anxiety. You're walking into 2014 more unsure or uncertain than you've ever been in your life before. And so you can even bring that to God. God, I bring you this fear or concern about my future, about my health, about this relationship because I believe you are my peace. Because I believe you are my hope. Because I believe you are my comforter. God, I can bring you this pain. I can bring you this loss. This may be the first Christmas that there's an empty seat around the table. Or it may be another Christmas where you look around and realize there's a person or two missing that should be here. And so, God, I bring you that loss and that pain because I believe you are my comforter. I bring you this thing because it says something about who you are. I bring you my life, my heart, because I believe that you are actually my Savior. That the baby you sent became the man who went to a cross on my behalf so that I could find forgiveness for my sins and freedom and a new life in you. So I want to give you the moment to write that out. I bring you blank because you are blank. You can kind of connect the dots and then this is going to be a little gift and reminder for you throughout the rest of the Christmas season of what you can bring to say the truth about who God is in your life this Christmas. So let's just take the next moment or so to fill that in. If you can continue to write even when I come back in a moment. But I want you to grab a pen and maybe write out a little prayer of the thing that you want to bring that says something about who God is this Christmas. Go ahead and take a moment to do that. Kids, this would be a fun one for you to fill out too. I want to make sure that you fill it out too. You can write in there, maybe, God, I want to bring more sharing to my brother or my sister because you've shared everything with me, God. Or God, I want to bring more kindness or more respect or more quiet to the home because, God, I believe you actually are my peace. Kids, what you can write, you can fill it out. I know what mine is. I've already filled mine out last service. The thing I'm bringing to God is I, I feel, honestly, my plate is so full right now. I just feel like it's just so full with trying to do everything I can as a husband and a father and for my job and for bigger other things going on in my life. And so I want to bring those things instead of trying to manage them all myself. I've decided to bring those things to God this Christmas because I believe he actually is my rest. And that my soul can rest in him even when my circumstances are crazy and full and overwhelming. What is the thing that you want to bring to Jesus that says something, says everything about who he is? I want to encourage you as you finish filling this out to take this home with you and actually hang it on your tree. We put a little string on here so you can hang it on your tree. So fun for our kids to fill theirs out last service and to go home and hang those on our tree. It's a little reminder just for the next couple days that each of us has something we can bring to God this Christmas. It may be as small as maybe you thought it is, or maybe a really big thing in your life. It may be your very life that you're bringing to him this year.
what a powerful thing for us to say. God, we're bringing you this because we recognize you've already given us all that we could ever ask for or imagine. And so for the next few moments, we want to have a chance to just do that. We want to respond to God's goodness. We want to actually give to him as we give of our resources, as we give of our worship to him. Like these magi did, they bowed down and worshiped Jesus because they recognized him for who he is. And so what we're going to do for the next few moments is something we do every week here at Soul City Church. We give back to God. It's a part of our worship, a part of our response to God. One of the ways we recognize that God has given everything to us is we give back to him. And I want to encourage, you know, many folks in our church give online, um, but we do this as part of our worship. We give in this space because we need to stop and remember how good God is. And this is a way to do that. And when you give, all that you give here goes to extending the work of this church in this neighborhood, in this city, and quite literally around the world. So all that happens, and we're able to continue to grow as a church and meet the needs of our church and our neighborhood and our city. But what it also does when you give is it actually does greater work in your heart internally. It grows your heart. It helps slow you down and make you more grateful. It grows gratitude and generosity in your heart. So we give because God does big things externally and he does deep things internally every time we give. And maybe uh, when the bucket comes by, you're ready to give a gift to our Love Works campaign as we're getting behind great organizations in our city and around the world and giving a push as best we can as a church to give to them financially, to pray for them with our prayers and to serve them that last week of January. Maybe you're ready to give. You can fill this out or you can even, as Jeannie said, text to give. I mean, it's such a cool thing that we can be able to get behind great organizations like this. And we want to be the kind of church and the kind of people that gives back to God out of the goodness of what he's given to us. So I'm going to pray for us and you can uh, give your offering when the buckets come by in a moment and then we're going to sing and respond to God together uh, and then we'll be done so let me pray for us right now as we respond to God God thank you that there's not a thing in our life that we can't bring to you that there's not a thing in our life that we can't bring to you God all of our hopes and dreams we can bring those to you. All of our joys and celebrations, we can bring those to you. All of our worship, God, our resources, we can bring those to you. And we can bring you our fears. And we can bring you our anxiety. And we can bring you, I can bring you my overwhelmedness. We can bring you our struggle. We can bring you our broken relationships. We can bring you everything. And everything we bring says something about who you are. So God, would you remind us of who you are, that you are good that you so loved us that you gave us your son, that you are a king worthy of worship, that you are our God sent from heaven to, to guide and lead and save us, quite literally. And that, Jesus, it was through your life and death and resurrection that we can even have life with you. We want to say something about who you are by what we bring to you this Christmas. So would you help us do that in our homes, with our friends, with our family? Would you help us bring who we are to all of who you are this Christmas. It's in your name that we give and we sing and we bring this now in your name. Amen.